0: What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine.
1: Alright, right. How is it?
0: It's alright, I guess. I mean, obviously it's not really delicious like a pint from Beer 52.
1: Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's
0: number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting
1: eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or... An innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership.
0: So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight! That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available.
1: So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free.
0: Poor me. Poor me. pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Cheers. Hello. This is Paul Clayton,
2: aka Sophie's dad, And you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. Sod you all.
0: Hello and welcome to the series finale of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined as always by Rob Graham. Hello. So we've arrived at the end of series eight. How are you doing Rob?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm enjoying the enjoying the beautiful beautiful sunny weather that we're being treated to in England at the moment. I don't know how long it's meant to last, so I'm spending every every second in the garden at the moment. It's just nice to <laughs> nice after the awful like May weather that we had where it basically rained every day for about a month. Like the last couple of days have just been like 25 26 degrees. It's been beautiful.
0: Yeah, definitely feels like summer's finally here. Yeah, after a pretty dreadful May, to be honest, where I just, yeah, hammered it down for almost the entire month. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, right, so, yes, yeah, so, as so I mentioned before, we are at the series finale of series eight. So that's episode six, which is called Quantocking 2, um, sort of like a sequel episode. Of course, we had Quantocking way back in series three. But before we get too deep, let's uh, shout out the wonderful patrons. Yes, we have. And I think
1: we have, in fact, gained another patron since we we last recorded. So I'm just getting their lovely names up now. Um, We have got uh, our brand new patron, Eric Lenz. A big welcome to you, Eric. We have then got David Butler, Vijay Baal, Andy... I haven't got your surname on here, unfortunately. Ilya Skokovskaya, Stephen Daranchetti, Justin Den Levy, Jason Martin, Nick Howard, Simon Darlington, Eleanor Wall, Benjamin Price, Nat Maxfield, Olivia Hoy, Steve Morano, Sarah McDaniel, D Bizzle, John Barker, Isaac Marley Morgan, Ash Krishna, Stuart Hill, Joshua Herbertson, John C Ralston, Jonathan Gardner, Tim Chamberlain, Jessica Isler, Toby Irving, Michael Collins, John Fraser. Joel Johansson Byberg, Alex Watson, Doug Simpson, Andrew Mason, Daniel Thompson, Laurie Johnson, Trisha Atensia, Mike Kavanagh, Dave Pink, Robert Horvath, and Darren Friedrichs.
0: Shout out all of you and welcome Eric as well, the the latest member of our lovely patron. Um, yeah, so we're going to start with, uh, we're going to get into the synopsis of the episode give it an overview and then our general thoughts but i just wanted to shout out now before we get into it properly to uh stick around till the end of the episode because obviously this is the finale so we'll be taking a bit of a break uh before we start series nine but we do have some some plans before we start series nine as well as something a little bit new as well for the patrons who we just shouted out so stay till the end and uh, you'll find out all about that but for now, we will yeah, we'll dive into the synopsis for Quantocking 2 and then I'm just open with our um, general thoughts of the episode. So, after his latest setback in getting Dobby to move in, Mark resorts to the nuclear option, a proposal. In similar fashion to Sophie, he whisks Dobby away for a weekend in the Quantocks, only for Jeremy to reveal that he's also in love with her. So, we've got a series finale on our hands. What, what did you make of this? Series 8 has been quite an epic journey in trying to get Dobby to move into Apollo House. Did this kind of... Was it a suitable end? I think it's it's definitely one of the better
1: episodes of this series. I don't think it's as good as the original Quantocking episode. I don't think the the second time definitely wasn't the charm for Mark in the Quantocks. But it's, it's, a, it's a good <laughs> episode... And I think, like, I don't want to discourage people from listening to us when we move on to Series 9, but I definitely feel this episode almost kind of sets the tone for the not-as-quite-high standards that Series 9 then has when we go forward into that. And I'm not going to be completely disparaging about Series 9 and and slack it off when we finally get to it, but I just think, like, this episode just doesn't feel particularly peep showy to me, and I don't know... How to describe it any better than that? It just, it just didn't feel like a proper peep show episode.
0: Mm, okay, interesting to hear that. Perhaps yeah, we'll dive into that. Your thoughts as we, as we head through. Um, I perhaps it's an unpopular opinion, but I, I really like series nine actually. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into that. In terms of this wrapping up series eight, I think series eight has had its good episodes, but. It's been like um, just this storyline of like trying to get Dobby to move in has been like a slog, hasn't it? And it, it's kind of been meant to be that way. Like Mark's like ongoing battle to try and get her in. So I'm glad that we're wrapping this storyline up because it just needed doing. If it's a dragged into series nine, I think that would have been a problem. Um, and I just think it's kind of the inevitable is is finally happening, which I think everyone sort of predicted uh, it it was sort of inevitable that, that the series finale was going to see it you know finally crash and burn um i think we would we'd have all been very surprised if dobby had you know accepted mark's proposal not that he gets it out um and they'd lived happily ever after um so yeah i'm kind of glad to just see this this arc wrap up um, I think, you know, everyone's better off <laughs> for for this. Um, and in a weird way, I think we kind of leave everyone in a, a well, set them up for a, a better, like, you know, um, like to find themselves in better circumstances as we head into series nine, definitely.
1: Yeah. And I think that the fact that both times Mark is going off to the Quantox, obviously Sophie in, in series three, end of series three. Is it beginning of series four? Yeah.
0: Yeah. End of series um, three,
1: yeah. When he's going there, is very much us willing him not to do what he's about to do. And there's a similar vein here where you're sort of thinking, you know that everything is pointing to the fact that he shouldn't be proposing. Like we've had five episodes building up to this one in this series where we can clearly see that Mark isn't suited to Dobby and that in fact Jeremy (laughs) kind of is suited better to not that we want Dobby to end up with Jez instead of Mark but I think as the viewer we just by this point we don't want Mark and Dobby to end up together I think there is a slight bit more confidence and it's really difficult to think about this without knowing what happens but there is that slight bit more confidence that what you want to happen at this end of, end of this episode is going to happen because Jeremy's there and he's a bit of a loose cannon. Whereas there is ne- an inevitability when he goes to the Quantock with Sophie that he's going to end up proposing. Whereas yeah. in this episode, you sort of think there's almost an inevitability to the fact that he's not going to propose.
0: Mm. Well, certainly it won't be a success if he does manage to get it out. There's going to be something that happens that is almost certainly going to come in the form of Jeremy. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with with pretty much everything you've said. Um shall we begin then?
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: So our series finale starts in Super Hans's flat, and I wasn't sure if this was the same flat we saw uh, the outside of back in the New Year's Eve episode last year that was referred to sort of as the the heart of darkness for whatever was going on inside. Um, and he'd earlier referred to it to Mark. I think it was in the last episode, or the, the week before, um, where he you know described it as having a bit of a men's, hosp- um, men's uh, hostel vibe. Um, but you know, we, we get only a little look at it. But it wasn't as quite as squalid as I thought it would be. I mean, it still looks a bit you know rough around the edges. Might be putting it a bit lightly, but it was it was it was better than I thought and. They, you know, we get a glimpse of, you know, the room that Jeremy's going to be staying in and Hans reveals that it's it was his grands. Um and it was surprisingly normal looking.
1: Aside from the fact there's snakes in the bottom of it, but I I like Jeremy's reaction where he is obviously... We're seeing it through his eyes as he walks in. He's like, oh God, here goes. And then as he walks in, he's like, oh, it's all right. Like, there's no skaggards, <laughs> there's no corpses, no nonces. You're like, oh yeah, actually, to be fair... It doesn't look too bad. It, you're right. The, the flat, we don't see much of it. It's almost more like the rules that, um, that Hans has that make it seem slightly more sort of men's hostily. Because he then goes on to say to Jez,
3: Bathroom's currently on a bucket flush system. The fridge is fucked, but the bag out the window is functioning very well. We do peg and reuse the tea bags. And this, this'll be your room. Oh, here it goes. Oh, it's okay. No skagheads, no corpses, no nonsense. It's Nan's. Right. Great. She isn't still using it, is she? She's dead, Jeremy. If you want to stop going on about it for one single minute. Right, sorry. Of course. The bag. Finally, my destiny has arrived.
1: If I came to your house and that was how you were operating, I would be a bit concerned for you.
0: Yeah, but then there's that great juxtaposition of the way that Jeremy then goes to put a drink down on the counter and Hans, like, really criticises him for not using the coaster that's right there. So there's that fantastic... Yeah, there's all these horrible things kind of going on, but Hans, in some kind of strange, I guess, typical Hans way, there's that, you know, tiny sliver of, like, civilised <laughs> like nature to him, which I think was great. Um, the, the main thing I wondered when we go into that room is there's a bed there but Jez is supposed to sleep in a sleeping bag and I I didn't quite understand that I was wondering whether perhaps you know it, it turns out that the grand has died so was it like you know how some people kind of like just keep a room exactly how it was almost like a shrine to them and whether Hans thinks that Just sleeping, like, actually in Gran's bed would be some sort of, like, you know, like, desecrating it.
1: Yeah, but then don't get him to then even sleep on a sleeping bag on her bed. Presumably he's not going to sleep on the floor of that room, not with all the bloody snakes... He's like, I would not want to sleep, even sleep on a bed, like under a duvet, like wrapped up in a room that has got snakes in it. Like you hear these horror stories about snakes who live with humans and they they lie next to them for long enough and then size them up and then swallow them whole. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's Hans's potential fate, yeah. <laughs> I mean or, or, it is or, crazy. or
1: Jeremy's Jeremy's fate more so than Hans like I'm not, not concerned yeah. for Hans Hans has made the decision to, <laughs> to keep the snakes in the first place Jez hasn't really got a choice
0: no very true um, yeah, so he, I like Hans kind of just leaves the room and shuts the door on him and poor Jez is, yeah, stuck because the camera's panning to different corners of the rooms as various snakes are, you know, just announcing themselves or suddenly slipping under a cabinet or something. It really is quite horrifying. I mean, I'd be out of there in a flash. Yeah, I don't even like,
1: particularly at people's houses where um, they've got, like, things in... Like a like a lizard or an iguana or any of these sorts of animals in like their like whatever you call them they're not aquariums are they? Um, what do you call them for? Like for a, iguana, a
0: bavarium, isn't it? isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, that's it. Um, even that, I'm a bit sort of freaked out buying people's houses. So I don't know how I'd cope if there were actually live loose snakes just making their merry way around the floor. I'd never have yeah, a, I'd yeah, never sleep. I'd never fall asleep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. You'd constantly have like, well, you'd have both eyes open, I think, trying to keep a keep a track of them. So we yeah we kind of leave Jeremy, poor guy, to kind of fend for himself as we head over to Mark and Dobby, and uh, they're at a nightclub. Pretty sure it's the same nightclub that we were in um, earlier on in the series, and uh, the two of them are talking about the fact that Jeremy has now sort of officially moved out. And Mark, quite understandably, wants to know when Dobby will actually be moving in. And it turns out now that it's another week because her friend's van is in the garage and yet it's just yet another delay, another reason. And it's... I just think if we hadn't got over this... I mean, she was practically in the flat last week. They were, you know, popping bottles and celebrating and then she dropped that bombshell at the very end and that's just spilled over into this episode and it just doesn't set a great tone for it you know the sudden some sudden change of uh, circumstance for mark
1: no and i just think like this is where i think the audience starts to turn against dobby because i think she's had and we talked about this at length i think last week she's had so many opportunities to either say to mark i'm not interested i don't want to move in or whether she doesn't want to to make the commitment of actually moving in, but doesn't want to break up with him. She just doesn't want to have the commitment of moving in. And she's just coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and Mark's asking a completely honest, reasonable question. Like, obviously, he says, like, translation, there is some pressure behind what I'm asking you. But he's running out of reasons to have to, to get the details. Like, he starts off last week, doesn't he, by going, like... Or even, like, in an earlier episode of this series... I need some details for some forms and then it becomes something else and something else and something else. And by this point it's like, right, Jez is gone. Right. When are you moving in? I like, I'm not funny about with any sort of pretense behind it. When are you moving in?
0: Yeah. I've splashed 10 grand, like (laughs) sort of fraudulently channeled it through the, uh, the buildings association to, to get you to, you know, solve all of your problems quite rightly. He wants, you know, something to show for it. It's an interesting point that you raised about the fact that perhaps Dobby doesn't want to break up with Mark. Maybe it is just the fact of moving in, whether she thinks it's too soon, which in fairness, they haven't been together that long, it seems. So that's something I hadn't really considered. I think I was just in the mindset of, you know, we're seeing that the cracks were getting larger and larger. Maybe they you know, shouldn't be together, but maybe it's just a case of you need to just, you know, put the brakes on a little bit and not necessarily break up but just kind of figure it out. Like there's a reason that Dobby was doubting moving in with Mark. So if you're having any of those doubts, maybe you should just, yeah, just wait a bit. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to call it a day entirely. It's always really hard
1: to tell with Peep Show about what period of time has passed between each episode. So we're not really sure how long Mark and Dobby have actually been together, even more so when their relationship has crossed a series. So we're trying to work out, based on when the episodes were released, how long they've been together, but obviously the episodes were released week by week, and then there's a gap. So we're not really sure, and I think some episodes there's like a two-week gap, some episodes there might be a three-month gap, sometimes within an episode there's like a three-week gap within the episode. So it's sometimes quite hard to tell. I mean, neither Tom or I, I'm sure Tom won't mind me sort of bringing this up. Like Both Tom and I moved in with our respective, like my wife and and Tom's soon-to-be wife. Um, We both moved in with them very quickly, didn't we? So like Mark moving in quite quickly with Dobby doesn't seem particularly like alien or strange to me because I moved in with my wife after five, six months really really quickly but I don't think that I was having the same doubts about whether she felt the same way as Mark does about Dobby
0: yeah I think that's the key thing I mean ultimately yeah they're adults they can do what they want if you want to move in after a week they can I mean I wouldn't perhaps recommend that but I think if you know if you're both on very much on the same page then it's that's absolutely fine whereas we've seen for a while now that particularly after Gerard's death and Dobby's shift in you know, perspective and her personality has kind of evolved, I think that, yeah, the last thing they should be doing is is rushing anything.
1: Yeah, and they, they don't want to move in to try and fix the problems, which I think is kind of what Mark is doing. Mark is thinking... I agree. Once I've got her in, then I can... Basically make my mind up and she might actually realise how much she likes me. And I know you sort of talked quite a bit about this a couple of weeks ago where you said like they almost want to move in so he can then work on her, in, for want of a better phrase, and, and make her realise <laughs> that she loves him too.
0: I, d- I, th- I definitely think that's where Mark's coming from. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, but... Yeah, so they're at this nightclub and uh, Dobby is called over by some friends. So Mark is kind of left at the bar where he sort of begins to kind of half eavesdrop on Simon and his mates who are sort of down the other end of the bar from him. So,
2: five aside on Sunday. We're down a man if you fancy it. Oh, I'd love to, but I've got a roast chicken summit with Alice. Five aside. Oh, that's where all the men go to laugh at the rest of us who can't check the brake fluid or shoot a baboon. Alistair Campbell and Alan
0: Hanson and probably Brian. Cox, even though he pretends he's not one of them, which is something that we'll need to remember for later on. But when Dobby returns to Mark, she reveals that she's in with a chance of working on a project in New York for the startup company. And you know, we already just had the van, you know, a minute ago, and now we've got this New York super project, you know, literally going across to a different continent. And Dobby kind of lays a bit of the groundwork saying, God, like. I've been looking forward to moving in with you for months, but... And then that's, you know, Mark's like, oh, the but. And Dobby's kind of just, like, stalling and stumbling her way through. So, like, you know, it's really difficult, isn't it? And it's just... I mean, this is a very awkward exchange. And it it just got me thinking, like... I think because we, we just had the, the van excuse that, like, I... Watching as, like, a more casual fan, I always remembered that Dobby had a lot of excuses and reasons for, like, not moving in with Mark during the course of this series. But until we've actually sat down and discussed them, you know, each, you know, week by week, episode by episode, just the number of over the course of six episodes, like, how many reasons, whether they're valid or just excuses, you know, we can debate that, but... I mean, it's just spectacular how many things are, like, thrown into the mix. And it's just, it's kind of like, you know, just chuck everything at the wall, see what sticks. (laughs) But everything is sticking. Everything is causing a further delay.
1: I think this one is particularly hard, though, because I would never begrudge somebody being offered a job, like a potential, like, job of her dreams, I would never begrudge her moving away to New York. Um, Like, didn't she say it's only a six-month project? Like, she's not going forever. Um, And I had real sort of, like, memories, and um, I'm sure, like, you remember this, Tom, but when I first started uh, dating my now wife... I had been sort of really looking at going to work um, in uh, Abu Dhabi and Dubai and going out to teach there, and I remember being in the early stages of sort of our relationship and being like, "I've got to make a decision now because if I go off and work there, then I can't expect like because we were probably in a similar amount of time being together that that Mark and Dobby have." I thought, I can't just say, well, I'm going to disappear off to Abu Dhabi for two years. You won't really particularly be able to come and see me maybe like four times a year. But I want you to basically wait until I get back and then we'll just resume our relationship from this point. And we'd only been together probably two months. Um, so I wouldn't ever begrudge Dobby going and doing that. But Mark isn't me and Mark isn't you. Like Mark is incredibly... Like he thinks this job... Um, is invented, he says in his monologue, this invented job offer to escape cohabitation. Classic. That is very me. You just think, yeah, if there was one person who was going to have this happen to them, it would be Mark. But I don't think... It's not an invented job offer, is it?
0: No, it doesn't seem to be. It's funny that you mentioned you read that line out like, that is very me, because if we flash back to... Uh, the stag do episode when mark was about to marry sophie he obviously of course gets that um sort of semi interview for that job to set up a call center in india and he very much uses that as a a reason to try and escape from the wedding of course they're yeah, much further down the road they've got to the f- point where they're engaged at that point um, and he thinks it's a, a good enough reason to end an engagement because he thinks quote I think he literally says like it's the opportunity of a lifetime. So the fact that he's then, you know, it's it's double standards, isn't it? He can't then fault Dobby for wanting to go to New York only for six months. I think I think you're right.
1: But Mark doesn't think like that, does he?
0: No, no, of course not. And I think this seems to be the you know, Dobby's had I don't it almost feels like a reward for her Stalling because I think like some of these excuses have just been flat out excuses. Like, I don't really think there's any reason. Like, Mark mentions in the previous scene, you know, like, oh, like this got the only guy who has a van, like, come on, like, there are thousands of vans that like, we could easily get around that problem, but apparently, we have to delay it for that. Whereas a project in New York is. Very much a different deal, and it it does feel a bit like Dobby's been stalling and stalling and kind of looking for some sort of sign to g- commit one way or the other, and funnily enough, the sign that she's getting is to go to the other side of the world,
1: yeah, and I think like you've said, there's a comparison between the two excuses, and like the the van thing, Mark could quite easily go oh, it's all right, I know somebody else who can help you with that like Superhand's mate Trojan can can help you um with his van (laughs) or he's a he's a plumber isn't he but like he's got a van like he could help you with that mark hasn't really got anything that he can say to dobby other than i don't want you to go which i think has the potential to come across as quite selfish um he he hasn't really got a leg to stand on And, and obviously this whole episode is just then the deterioration the complete deterioration of of their relationship
0: Yes, so it's going to be interesting to watch that play out. But we disappear from Mark and Dobby and head to the flat where Jeremy's handing his keys back to Mark, finally. I guess it's kind of the official he's out. I'm not trying to move back in or anything. Just forgot to give you my keys. You can come round anytime
3: you like, old friend. That's nice. He's so nice. He might even let me steal his girlfriend. Yeah, lose keys. Never owned a key ring, waste of money. Yeah. Your Holston Pils key ring. The guys over at Holston are laughing their asses off at you, advertising their beer to yourself every time you come home. Hi, Jess. How's life in the bag? Hi, Dobbs. Yeah, great. Wet
0: from the shower, warm from the oven.
3: Great to get finally bagged up. It's like a chrysalis. I'm going to
0: emerge like some kind of mad butterfly. But he's invited to stay in for a drink as uh, he moves through the hallway and gets a look at his now empty room. And I know we've commented a few times about this, like, the extent of, you know, Jeremy's tragedy that is a bedroom, and we can see with all the furniture moved out, the full extent of Jeremy's kind of handiwork with the paintbrush, and the fact that he's just painted all around his furniture. Can't be bothered to me about his bed, his wardrobe, even the curtains I'd noticed this time had been painted around. It's just incredible.
1: Yeah, luckily it's like a two-by-two room, so it'll take them about (laughs) ten minutes to repaint it. It's not exactly a big space.
3: What happened to the bed and the desk? Dobby and me drove them
2: to the dump. There's a great little area to leave stuff someone else might want. Did
3: you see anyone take them? Uh, Actually, someone did take the bed. A woman. Oh, that's nice to know. Gone to a good home. Old beddy.
2: Yeah,
0: she was very much the on-methadone-living-in-a-halfway-house type, but probably best not to mention that. Which were presumably Mark's possessions. Well, this is a, yeah, this is the interesting point, because I wondered, thinking back to the last episode, when Hans was helping Jez move out, and he said, look, I've got the lorry, Like, wh- where's all your stuff? And he only had some bin bags. I figured if Mark was just going to send it all down to the tip, like, why didn't he offer it to Jeremy... Or did Jeremy perhaps turn it down? But you would think Jez could use with all the help he can get. I mean, like I said, we we commented last time about how he could pack his entire life up into a bin bag. Like, he could have used with a bed, particularly when he was sleeping rough on Big Mad Andy's floor in a bin bag. Yeah, but it's slightly different. If you, if you rent a
1: flat or rent a house or whatever, and you're saying... It's unfurnished, so you need to bring your own stuff with you. Then you'd need a bed. If you're sofa surfing, he couldn't exactly turn up at Big Man Andy's house and be like, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, can I bring my bed with me? I'm going to need like half an hour to screw the slats into the frame, um, and I'm only going to be here for a couple of nights. So I'll um, I'll sort of dismantle it again, Then I'm up off to Hans's the next night. Then I'm going to like whoever else, the Orgazoid, or whoever else houses he might end up at. Like, it's not practical, but I presume. That like it was Mark's flat and that all of the stuff in there, even the chairs that Jeremy decides to take, um, <laughs> were his. Like I'm presuming that it, Mark had just furnished it. Because where's Jez going to get the money from to buy a, a bed? Um, to, to buy... Even like he doesn't work. He's never really held down a job. Where's he going to be getting money to put his curtains, to buy his curtains or to paint it or to do any of that sort of stuff? It's not an equal flat share. Like... So I can understand why Mark no. has got rid of it. Yeah,
0: I just thought perhaps Mark might at least hang on to it for a bit until perhaps Jez had actually found like a more stable, you know, flat to live in or something, and then he could take it. But yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from.
1: If he wants to get it set up as his home office, nice and quickly, then like he says, there's not. A, it's not like a massive duplex, is it? Like there's not an infinite amount of space for them to store stuff. If he wants a mm. A desk and everything else set up in there. Where's he meant to put the bed in the meantime?
0: Yeah, no, no that, yeah, that's fair enough, I guess.
1: Sorry to live relentlessly in the way, real world, but
0: <laughs> no, that's quite all right. That's why why we're here. Um, so yeah, Mark and Jeremy are just chatting away. They're talking about how you know Jez has obviously moved in with Hands, which we discussed earlier. Um, but Jez goes on to reveal that you know life at Hands is is actually, I guess, kind of what we all expected. And that is that the fact that they are taking an incredible amount of drugs. And Jez kind of did wonder whether there'd be a lot of drug taking, um, because he talks a lot about taking drugs. But actually, they do take a hell of a lot of drugs. And he only thinks that now is the point Jeremy thinks he may be a drug addict.
1: Yeah, and I love Mark's response. was like, you've always been addicted to drugs. And Jeremy just says, I'm not a drug addict until very, very recently. And Mark said... You've smoked marijuana every day since I've met you, and always have. Um, Jeremy's like, that's not being a drug drug addict, Mark, you moron. That's having a little number to take the edge off. And I'm like, if what Jeremy currently, or was doing previously to moving in with Hans, he didn't class as being a drug addict, I do wonder what level of drugs they are now doing at Hans's house that now constitute being a drug addict.
0: Yeah, something horrifying, yeah, a strange cocktail of drugs, I'm sure. But Mark goes on to actually open up a little bit to Jeremy about the whole Dobby situation, the fact that she's, you know, there was the van, and now there's the, the job opportunity. And uh, interestingly, you know, Mark mentions, oh, she's not moving in till next week, Either the van's all fixed, until the this van is repaired, and uh, Jeremy's like, hmm, like, that sounds like the kind of bullshit I'd come up with, which I have to say, i I definitely agree. I think Jeremy's certainly, you know, wise to these sorts of tricks. And Mark even admits that he was worried that, you know, Dobby could be delaying on purpose and the fact that she might be having cold feet. And Jeremy in his monologue is, you know, there's a real, you know, quite classic peep show of, you know, what's being, you know, internal internalised and then what's being said out loud. And Jez is kind of really rooting for the um, destruction of this relationship. So um, Dobby's finally moved in. Congratulations.
3: You lucky, lucky bastard. Actually, she's not moving until next week when
2: Jason's van's all fixed up. Oh, right. Jason's van? That sounds like the kind of bullshit I come up with. I I was worried she was delaying on purpose, having cold feet.
3: Yes! God,
2: I'm such a bad friend. And. Now she's had this job offer in New York that I'm not supposed to talk about. Do you think she could have made that up to avoid moving in? Duh, obviously. I wouldn't worry, mate. So I've booked a romantic weekend away for us. Shit. Great. I'm going to nail down this New York lie. Get her away, confront her and watch her squirm.
1: This is not what you do on romantic weekends away. This, you are not, (laughs) you're, you're... You're doing you're doing basically what he promised to do at the end of the last episode, which was like, um, I I, I know she didn't love me. And now all I need to do is get her to admit it like this is just a continuation of Mark trying to prove to himself that everything is going wrong for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really feels like he's reaching breaking point, isn't it? The fact that he's there's again, it's this sense of like that he would get a sense of satisfaction out of watching her squirm, and like this pleasure out of essentially what he's kind of describing, like interrogating her. It's very, very odd. But yeah, he seems to be one way or another, I guess, he is just reaching that point where it's like, either she moves in grey or she doesn't and I've I guess he finally kind of gets his life back because his whole life at the moment again we we don't know, you know, the the time period across this series and, you know, this dates back to the end of series seven as well, we forget. That he's been doing nothing but waiting for Dobby to move in and you know his career has been you know three banditos to baths, bathrooms and fittings and then getting sacked from both of those jobs so Mark could really do with kind of focusing on himself a bit get his own life back on track but all his energy has been going into getting Dobby to move in and it's you know it's really had a a, A negative effect on you know not just his relationship with dobby but his whole life
1: yeah and you just said that like he's almost taking some sort of pleasure in making her squirm and making her feel uncomfortable and putting her under the microscope it's almost like almost a um it's not sadistic because it's 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 inflicting pain on himself to 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 realize that this is all going to go wrong like he's almost taking some sort of weird joy or weird pleasure in the fact that his life is going to get ruined from the consequence of this not just making her finally admit that she's messing him about
0: Mm, yeah but I I think in a way whether he's kind of really acknowledging himself I think he's right though like he does need to just you know one way or the other this does just need to be done now because like I say Mark's whole life has been dedicated to this failing relationship so if Dobby you know if it doesn't happen then fair enough and Dobby just um Mark then just really needs to kind of get control of his own life, you know, find the one. She's out there somewhere. Of course, we're going to head into Series 9 and find April again. But there's just so much else in Mark's life that's going wrong as well, but we're kind of not really focusing on it because everything is Dobby, Dobby, Dobby.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, yeah, we, we move forwards presumably later on that day or maybe sort of the next day, and Mark's turned up... Um. In the script, it says Marcus turned up unannounced at the five-a-side game. Um, and I think this is one of the all-time sort of classic peep show scenes.
0: I th- yeah, I think for for David Mitchell in particular, who just could not look more out of place. I love watching his sort of floppy fringe, like, bounce around as he awkwardly jogs onto the AstroTurf. <laughs> and the fact that, I think one of our followers
1: on Twitter pointed this out, that it's the same outfit that he wears in every um, sporting thing that he does. So this is the same sort of grey polo shirt and trackies that he wears when he goes to run with Big Sue's. then when he goes to the gym, um, and then obviously when he plays football as well, which is just an absolute, absolute classic sort of, I don't play sports, so I'm going to wear the only clothes I've got that remotely resemble sport uh, sportswear. Um, So, yeah, so he he runs onto the pitch um, and he, in his monologue, he just says, look normal, look like you fit in, do a little run. But he just doesn't even understand the basic premises of football, does he?
2: Mark's joining Bibbs, you get him second half.
1: Bibbs, great. He naturally
2: assumes I know about Bibbs. So
1: what are you, defence, attack, goalie? Bit of this,
2: bit bit of that. Did you see the game the other night? Which game? The, The big fixture. Oh, you missed a great one. It was a really great game. Nothing overhead, height, no slides, no one in the D, yeah? Oh, God, what? What? I need to write this down. Can I touch it? Switch it, switch it. What does that mean? I I don't know what you mean. Switch it. Sorry, guys. I I was going to, you know, kick it up the other end and just put one... Right in their fucking goal hole, but
1: no dice. He's clearly not there to actually be interested in playing football. He's trying to wheedle, wheedle, pry and pry and needle or whatever the uh, the line is. And oh, uh, it just, it just, honestly, it it puts the hairs on the back of my neck up. Like it makes me cringe so badly in this scene.
0: Yeah, and we have to remember that you know Mark wasn't invited to this. This was he was eavesdropping on the guys while they were at the other end of the bar when they were back in the nightclub. So Mark has just turned up completely unannounced. Simon says, you know, oh, you know that that one short we were that you you know heard about. We've you know we've it's fine. Like we've got someone else, but I guess you can play as you've kind of just turned up awkwardly um, and so they. I guess Simon kind of throws him a bit of a lifeline um despite Mark behaving very very strangely um but Mark just I mean it's bad enough that the little lines he comes out with where it's very all you know non-committal like you know, Mark knows n- next to nothing about football but the fact where they actually get started playing like Mark really embarrasses himself here <laughs> like he just he's all over the place. he doesn't understand the kind of like basic lingo if you've played any football or a side in particular. And he's just kind of running around, not running around aimlessly, because his aim is very much to try and talk to Simon and get information out of him about this whole New York project. But he doesn't even get that. It's so not only does he embarrass himself on the the pitch, because um, he concedes a few goals that are his responsibility, um, but he also, yeah, comes away like completely empty-handed.
1: But we've talked so many times before, Mark doesn't have the ability to build up. like So he doesn't sort of do any of the almost... I can't think of a better word for it than foreplay. Like he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> do the build-up in the conversation to asking about New York. He he just runs alongside him and just says, Oh, so I hear something big might be happening for you guys on the other side of the pond. And and Simon just doesn't care. Simon's like, right, we're playing playing football. Um and Mark just continues and he just goes, Oh yeah, New York-based project, yeah? Like, you're not gonna get anything out of him. Like you're not going like it's not about him being non-committal, it's not about him trying to hide anything he just honestly is there to play football and you're there to be a, a prat.
0: Yeah, I feel like Mark could have easily just waited for, you know, the next time they go out for drinks as like a big group and then just approached him and been like, oh, and, and asked exactly the same question and it would have come across, you know, much more, you know, organically and he would have got away with it. But the fact that he's barged into this fibre side as someone who, you know, not just us as an audience, I think Simon acknowledges as well that, you know, he doesn't look like the football type. He clearly knows nothing about football So it's just he's really giving himself away here and Simon later is more than happy to kind of, not like stitch Mark up exactly, but I think it's certainly odd enough the fact that it's not a surprise at all that he then tells Dobby what Mark's done.
1: And I don't see anything wrong with that particularly. I think if that had happened, I think I would sort of ring her or text her and be like, oh, by the way, like, I know it's so out of character for Mark that he's just turned up at our five-a-side game. If Dobby's then said to Simon, "Oh, why was he there? Do you know what was he trying to say to you and all of this sort of stuff?" Then kind of fair enough. Like Simon's not going to say Simon's got no reason to defend Mark to Dobby, has he?
0: No, yeah, there are no loyalties there, and none at all.
1: I, I don't see any Simon doing anything particularly wrong. I think Mark's been a bit of a knob here, um, but yeah, this scene just for me is is one of the best. I know it's one of the most like commonly referenced and commonly memed um anything anything to do with football whenever somebody misses a shot there's always that oh i was just gonna kick it up the other end and just put one right in their fucking goal hole but no dice Mm -hmm. um and whenever like a goalkeeper lets in loads of goals it's like oh that was too hard someone's gonna get (laughs) kicked hurt if you kick it that hard um and i yeah it just it just gets me every time
0: yeah so we, we go back to the flat next and uh, Jeremy, who had volunteered earlier to do uh, to repaint his old bedroom, not sure quite why uh, Mark lets him, but presumably as well, Big Man Andy kind of wants nothing to do with them now after the treatment he's had from Jeremy. Um, or perhaps maybe they don't want anything to do with Big Man Andy, it's not quite clear. Need to admit I love Dobby.
3: Who to tell first? Her more exciting, him more noble. Or together... More Jeremy Kyle, with a small chance he might cave my head in with his 2003 personal finance award.
2: you got some paint on the light switch.
3: Yeah, well, that's going to happen, unless I take forever. Is this white? Is this actual white? It's apple white. It's cheaper. Oh, I don't want slightly green white. Oh, Jez, this isn't what I wanted at all. Oh, come on, Mark. You knew when you hired me it wasn't going to be a
0: professional job. But at that moment, Dobby comes storming in. She's clearly... Heard about, you know, Mark's sort of recon mission at the Fiverr side. And quite understandably, she's feaming about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, as you would be. And she, she comes storming in and just says... Why the fuck have you been spying on me? I, I'm sorry? Did
2: you
3: try and squeeze information out of Simon about the New York job while pretending to play football? I, I wasn't
2: pretending. I, I just... Happened to be passing and felt like a kick around and in the lulls
3: tried to strike up friendly banter You happened to be passing a sports centre in Hackney on the way from
1: your flat in Croydon to your corner shop in Croydon
3: Ooh, poor old Mark, the old stepping on the rake trick All I have to do is paint and wait, wait and paint
1: Actually for the first time Mark calls Dobby out backwards doesn't she? doesn't he? He says, I suppose I didn't believe you liked me enough to move in with me. And you're like, yes, Mark, finally you've said it. You've been waiting six episodes for this to come out, and he's like, finally, you're actually having the balls to say, I don't, I don't genuinely believe that you like me.
0: Yeah, this is just a sort of, yeah, frank and honest discussion that they should have had two or three episodes ago, but, you know, when multiple red flags were first uh, being raised. But Dobby... As I know, the way she she treats this... Like, I mean, I guess she, she's annoyed, ultimately, at Mark, isn't it? So I guess it, it will take a bit of time to kind of diffuse that. But she says, oh, you know, don't be a fucking dickhead. And Mark quite rightly points out that I guess it's things like calling me a fucking dickhead so much that make me think perhaps, you, you know, you don't like me enough. And she says, like, dickhead is a term of endearment, knobhead. Of course the job is real. And I, I kind of accept that, you know, I think it's a very British and... An Australian thing as well. I, I don't think, like, from what I know and have experienced and when I've been to America, like, Americans don't... Or more the fact that Britons and Australians, I think, kind of do use... Like, they call their mates, like, dickheads and, you know, dropping C-bombs and all sorts to, as terms of endearments. I do believe that that is a thing, but I'm not convinced that it's something that a boyfriend and girlfriend do.
1: No, and I mean, we... You might do it occasionally to to one of your mates, but yeah, I would never I would never like speak to my wife and be like, You're right you prick. Like, it's just not what you do, is it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So this idea I think it kind of I don't know, I'm not quite sure she's got real steady ground, um, for this argument. But she comes out and it's just like, Look, yeah, the job is real and of course now it turns out that they've also actually offered it to her and it's pretty clear that Dobby wants to take it and Again, the conversation takes another sort of awkward turn. There's quite a lot of silence and it very much feels like she's waiting for Mark to kind of... You were hinting at it earlier, like to to not stand in her way and she wants Mark to say, look, you should go. This is an incredible opportunity. New York is a huge deal. But there's just no way he's going to do that. So instead, they just have to awkwardly fumble their way through the conversation and neither one of them wants to concede the ground.
1: Yeah and we 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 know where it's going don't we I think that's the, I think that's the thing and like they both ultimately know where this is going
0: uh, Yeah at this point it feels like it's over for me like how can Mark compete with the idea of New York like because if she was having doubts before like if they were in a happy loving relationship and had been together for you know like a year or something then fair enough that would be a much bigger deal but they've had a very wobbly relationship where you know we're talking quite a bit in this episode actually I don't want to hate like you know bash Dobby too much but Mark has done far worse to Dobby like she may have kind of strung him along a little bit with the moving in but Mark has been really quite vile in places to uh, so the I just it's not really a contest to be honest. Life changing opportunity. New York, you know, huge it's it's a life changer. So I think, yeah, this this moment kind of spells the end for them.
1: Yeah, and ultimately Mark hasn't really got anything to offer her. And even when he says, um I'm moving my desk in there. You can have this whole beer. And he says it ain't Greenwich Village, but it's yours. He says that with a certain level of sort of despondence in his voice, isn't it? He? he realizes that yeah, it's, it's gone.
0: Yeah, he can't stack up to yeah the idea. I mean, yeah, he's literally drawing like a comparison, isn't he, between the you know life with Mark or life with New York, and even kind of admitting, even you know through a bit of irony or tongue in cheek, whatever, that he, yeah, he's kind of admitting defeat but is just kind of holding out for a bit of hope so we we head into the break on a uh, yeah a rather a bit of a downer don't we
1: yeah absolutely
0: support for podcast secrets of the pharaohs is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels and manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's Cuts and Grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster not with the Lormar 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lormar 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin-safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawmer 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So after the break, Mark and Jeremy are admiring the paintwork that's been done in Jez's old room, but it turns out that... actually most of it's mark's work that he's redone of jeremy's rather sloppy work um and mark again kind of opening up to, to jez um to uh, opening up about dobby to jez uh, and he's he's worried that you know dobby's slipping through his fingers and this is the moment that he reveals that he's going to propose to her this weekend while they're away in the quantox and she rightly pointed out earlier this is the moment where jeremy's like hang on a minute isn't that where you took sophie is this, what you, is this just your thing? Like the set menu Corrigan proposal?
1: Yeah, and I just like... It's what everybody's thinking. As soon as he says he's going to the Quantox, we're like, Mark, you don't have to propose to women in the Quantox. Like, you mm-hmm. can... you. There are other places you can go and you don't have to propose to every woman that takes you. Um, but just going back to the, the fact that Mark had touched up Jeremy's painting, I relate so much to this because I'm a shoddy painter. Like, I am... I'm very good at sort of doing the bulk of the like the walls and all of this sort of stuff. I can guarantee that when I do it, my wife will always be like, I'm just going to come and neaten up the bits that you've. uh, Oh, you've got a little (laughs) bit on the ceiling there. So I'm just going to touch that bit up. And like I'm allowed to do the bulk and then all the like fiddly bits, like light switches. I like I'm not even going to attempt to it because I will screw it up. So I have to say I do. I do feel feel Jez's pain here.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same cat. I very much take charge of rollers, but paintbrushes are very much left to other people. So yeah, I, I kind of relate as well. I see where you're coming from. I don't think I'd be pissed
1: off though, like Jeremy is. I don't think he would, like, he reacts badly because he's like, "You've you've taken over my work." I quite openly go, "You do this bit now." Like, I'm not even going yes. to. I'm not yeah. even going to
0: attempt to do it. And the fact that Jeremy kind of gets on his high horse a bit, he says, like, oh, you know, it's lost all of its, like, charm now. And it's like, what? It's it's just a plain, it's apple white, one of the most boring colours it could possibly be. It's a, a, a tiny little bedroom. Like, what's what there possibly, you know, what charm has been injected into this?
1: I just love how brutal Mark is as well. It's like, I just wanted it to be nice and you're obviously not competent. <laughs> there's no sort of like dressing it up he's like I want it to look nice you are not capable of doing that therefore it's just quicker for me to do it and and Jez isn't having any of it Um, but Mark for once asks Jeremy whether he thinks what he's going to do is a good plan and he doesn't very often do that Jeremy often offers his opinion but he doesn't often get asked for it by Mark and Mark says do you think it's a good plan to show how I feel and obviously, this is the chance for Jeremy, in his words, to grasp the nettle and get stung to fucking face the firing squad and get shot to bloody pieces. But this is the point I could tell him the truth. And he doesn't. He just goes, yeah, good plan. And I do wonder whether if he had done it at this point, where they're in their, sort of, in inverted commas, natural habitat, where Mark can't really... It's almost like they're in, like, a padded cell. Like, they can shout and scream and get really cross with each other. But... Ultimately, we know everything that happens in the flat sort of blows over eventually. Um, but but Jeremy doesn't do it, and Mark says, yeah, thank you. Like it's good to talk it through with, with a mate. Um, and we get the um, the it's not what do we call it? The it's not the air horn. The uh, the old dude brother sort of like so sort of like the honks, yeah, the honks, yeah. Um, which in the script, which is why it confused me, is just written as R like A H. Um, and I'd never have written <laughs> it like that in um, when I, if I've ever typed Definitely it out, I'd never not. write it out like that. <laughs> but then, really strangely, that's just made me think about um, uh, Dobby Club shared something on on Facebook a while back, or it might have been Twitter a while back. Like somebody had scripted it as imitate psycho noise, as it being like almost like the <laughs> and I was like, that's never been what that is.
0: <laughs> no. I always call them the Honks. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I, d- I don't know. Maybe we're we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Mark is uh, <laughs> about to. Mark is about to make a massive, massive mistake.
0: I think that's a really interesting point you made, though, about the fact that if Jeremy had faced the firing squad there and then, would it all be different? And I hadn't really thought about it before, but I think you really could be onto something there. I think you could save all that drama the nature when Jeremy finally does come out with it is very much the the point of no return, isn't it? Where we then, you know, the chain of events, you know, the first domino is toppled in that moment and they then can't, there's no real backing out of it then. Whereas if they'd done it, yeah, in the safety of the flat, importantly with Dobby like completely removed from the situation, yeah, perhaps maybe they could have found some kind of solution, even if it was... Temporarily, they could have perhaps salvaged something, but I think that's a really good point. That's
1: obviously why he's done it in the way he has because he thinks, in the same way I suggest, that maybe doing it in the flat would mean that it's more likely to blow over and to get sorted. He's done it because he doesn't want there to be time to get it sorted. His plan on the train was to tell him and then fuck off. Like, he had his logic behind why he did it in the way he did it. And I'm not suggesting that Mark's just going to go, oh, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to stab your lovely romantic dinner or equals equals like, like they've had in the previous episodes. Um, And so many of the things that Jeremy's done wrong to Mark, they've salvaged through, or they've been revealed in the flat. So if you think back to when Mark was told that it was Jez's baby and then it wasn't. And then when Mark, Or even before that, when Mark realised that Jez had also slept with Sophie, um, even before the the revelation that it wasn't Jez's baby, those things have both basically happened in the same place, haven't they? They've happened at the table in the front room. So there's been uh, almost, yeah, like we say, a more contained space for, for things to get sorted.
0: Yeah, no, no, yeah, I agree with everything you just said there. I think, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I'd be keen to hear, you know, any listeners who have you know, got opinions on it as well, do let us know, because I'd never really thought of it um, like this moment being so pivotal, but I think you're, you're quite right. So we'll skip forward then to the moment where everything does come out, and that is the, the weekend, or the start of the weekend, as Mark is heading off to his romantic break in the Quantocks. He's boarding the train and Jeremy is tagging along. I think Mark should be quite suspicious of why Jeremy's tagging along, but Jeremy's decided now is the, the time to kind of pluck up the courage and do what he, you know, grasp the nettle as he as he failed to do in the last scene. And he waits just until the train is about to leave, thinking he'll spare himself the kind of fallout of it, as you touched on, only to be caught out and trapped on the train as it the doors close before he manages to get off. And so he's forced to return to Mark awkwardly and face the firing squad as they take a little train ride together.
1: Yeah, and it is just... You shouldn't feel sorry for Jez in this situation because he is in the wrong. He, Well, OK, that's uh, that's <laughs> that's open to interpretation. Like, he's not in the wrong for being in love with somebody because you can't help who you're in love with, Tom. But... <laughs> there is an element where being in love with your best mate's girlfriend and actually getting to the point where you're going to act upon it and, in his word, sacrifice his uh, oldest friendship for it, um, there is still an element, as he's walking or running almost through the train to get off, where you're like, oh, mate, I feel really, really sorry for you because you are. we know you're going to have to go back and sit with Mark and you are going to have to face the music and dance like some mad musical murderer as jeremy puts it um but rather than just go back and try and face it he
3: just sits down how the hell am i gonna play this just gonna totally fucking ignore it it never happened so i'm back oh look an interview with the new usa national football coach jürgen Klinsmann. what in the name of holy fuck is going
2: on
0: I think... I do wonder whether Jeremy's approach to kind of just pretend like it didn't happen... I think maybe that would have worked if it had been anyone but Jez, because, you know, so often Mark kind of refers to the, you know, the typical British reserve where we don't talk about our, you know, issues. But the fact that it's these two, you know, he'll happily have it out with Jez pretty much anywhere, so he's understandably furious and he's going to force that issue. And I, I kind of see where where are you coming from about jazz like he's made a real mess of it i mean let's get that out of the way but i he does seem really quite genuine in this moment like I, I do believe in what he's explaining how he feels about dobby and we have to acknowledge that he's tried his hardest to not act on it for i think he quotes like months and months and it's the fact that it's the proposal that's sort of like forcing his hand like jeremy hasn't you know, this proposal has kind of come out of nowhere, so Jeremy hasn't really... He, I guess, you know, if if Dobby really is kind of the love of his life, which, you know, we could perhaps argue, given Jeremy's track record of telling people he loves them, but if that is the case, like, is Jeremy supposed to just say nothing at all? It's a very tricky situation to be in, and I guess ultimately he, he says, doesn't he, like, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my, you know, my best and oldest friend, so it's a... Oh, I mean, it's a real rock and a hard place. It is, and I I do get what you're saying about the fact that
1: should he be expected not to act upon it, when when this proposal is now happening, but he's not very tactful in the way he comes about it here. Like, I know he's in a rush, but this is a plan of his own making. He could have spoken to, to Mark at the flat. He's waited until this situation where there is the factor that it could go wrong and they could get stuck on the train together. He hasn't thought about that. And
3: the things he comes out with... Look, I'm really, really sorry. But Dobby, I mean, she's just so lovely. I know she's lovely. That, sadly, appears to be one thing that we agree on. I feel terrible. I do. I've been carrying around this weight for months. So you thought it was about time to drop it on my head? You don't understand, Mark. I'm in love with her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. The love tap is gushing. Well, turn it off. I can't. I've tried. Well, try harder. Put some fucking elbow grease into it. How am I supposed to do that when there's no such thing as elbow grease? Look, Mark, I knew how much this would hurt you, how angry you'd be. That's why I plan to tell you and then get off the train right afterwards. How incredibly noble. That is not the way you approach your mate and say, by the way,
1: your girlfriend, I want to be with her. It's very different, like, approaching, like... People who like maybe you're dating somebody who someone that you know, like a friend of yours has previously dated, and you're like, oh by the way, I'm just I'm doing this to sort of out of respect and to be to be polite and to be cordial, but it's very different when it's actually his girlfriend, and he's saying to Mark, I'm going to tell your girlfriend that I love her and that she should be with me, not you. It's an incredibly dickish thing to do, especially the way he does it to Mark. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, he's made a complete mess of it. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're going to head into series nine with a very, very different Mark and Jez. It's just it's interesting that Jeremy, who so often claims to be in love with people. But the fact that he's willing to sacrifice Mark as a friend, I don't know whether he really fully understands that, like the decision that he's making there. I don't know it's it's hard. I just thought that line in particular that kind of really hits home.
1: Yeah, I just I just can't accept that this situation is okay. And I'll be really interested no, to know what our listeners think and whether and I'll I'll probably put a poll out on on Twitter to see what people think like is Jeremy okay to do this or or is he not? And I get that the whole part of his plan was that he even says to Mark I knew you weren't going to be happy about this, and that was why I was basically going to tell you and then get off the train <laughs> straight afterwards. <laughs> which Mark Oh in,
0: yeah, it's really bad.
1: Which Mark calls him out on, doesn't he? He just says, Oh, how incredibly noble. Um and Jeremy's like, This is so stressful. I feel terrible. And it it's just one another one of those moments where this is called guilt, Jeremy. Like most people feel it on quite a frequent basis. I just like this is one of the few times where I Even though I don't want Mark to be with Dobby, because I don't think she's right for him, I don't want Jeremy to get her in this way, because I think it's just is not fair on Mark.
0: No, not at all. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is a you're sitting there that the first time watching this, and you're thinking, "Blimey, like is this going to be the end of the show?" Because you know we're at a series finale, you just don't see a way back for these two off the back of this. If it's going to go down as it's kind of leading. It's a very, you know, it's new territory for Peep Show, so it's fascinating to watch more than anything, you know, despite Jeremy's, like, awful behaviour. And I think Jeremy makes it much worse for himself by then, not only, you know, doing what he's done so far, but then to go on and just go, oh, well, you're not even right for each other anyway. I mean, you've got to admit, me and Dobby are a better fit than you. We click. I haven't heard any clicking. Oh, the
3: clicking is continuous. That's why you haven't noticed it. Click, 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 click. Well, me and Dobby make a great team. Opposites attract. No, they don't. Not really. That's just something that scientists and people in horrible relationships say. I mean, be honest. The things you always moan about, Dobby. I mean, you know, the DJ bars, the dope smoking, the poorly arranged finances. Don't they remind you of someone? I told you all those quibbles in in a different era.
2: You, You can't use them against me now in this kangaroo court of love
0: For someone who was pretending like the conversation hadn't happened a few minutes ago you're really kind of digging your heels in and pressing on
1: yeah and that's what i mean like he's not tactful about it at all he's just he's he's sort of like right i've been i haven't done this quite how i intended it to do i thought i would just be able to say it and get off but What was he hoping that Mark was going to do if he had said to... If the plan had gone as intended and he'd said to Mark, by the way, I'm in love with Dobby, and then got off the train, is he expecting that Mark would still have proposed? 100%.
0: You think? Yeah. Mark, actually, is very unusually kind of mature about it, in a way. Like, I mean, he's clearly, you know, upset, angry, furious, and kind of panicking about the whole situation, But rather than letting it degenerate, which we've seen so often, he actually kind of suggests, look, this is clearly, you know, what's happening is insane, but let's cool off, you know, give it some time. And you know what, Jeremy, I don't have to do this at all because you're really stabbing me in the back by doing this, but I'm willing to give you a few weeks and I won't propose... And if, you know, just let's... Now that everything is out in the open, let's see how we feel in a few weeks and then we will, you know, kind of see where it goes from there. Which I'm not really sure if that does anything because it kind of just delays the decision that is going to have to be made. And if Jez has been holding on to these feelings for months and months, I'm not convinced that a few more weeks is going to change anything. But I was... I was fascinated at Mark's response.
1: Yeah, and I think both of them are being um, uh, sort of trying to be the more noble of the other two. Once they've had this initial conversation, I think they're trying to be more noble than the other one and say, right, okay, I won't, like Mark says, I won't propose, I'll I'll give a couple of weeks. And if, if you'll still feel the same, then obviously this is what we'll do. But I don't think, e- obviously, neither of the other one believes the other which like you said just shows the degeneration of their friendship really they've always been a bit dubious of each other and what are they really thinking and what are they really doing but this is almost the, the final the final hurdle of that
0: yeah it's fascinating that you do wonder if mark would have just treated jez like gerard and just you know come to this arrangement and then just you know screw the geneva convention and just propose anyway. I think you, you seem like you're very much in the camp that he would have just gone ahead and proposed anyway, despite kind of offering this olive branch.
1: Yeah, I think 100% he would have done.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think so as well. I think the way, particularly, you know, Jez is kind of really stabbing Mark in the back at this point. I think Mark is... If if we know one thing about Mark is that he's incredibly spiteful. So I think it's more than um, possible that uh, he would go ahead and, and propose anyway. But it's it was interesting, I thought for a moment, Mark actually seemed quite mature, and then you have to think, "Oh, hang on a minute, actually you know this is who we're dealing with, of course he would he would kind of um go back on his word
1: because if nothing else, if he proposed, and then for whatever reason, Jez did something, they broke up, whatever Mark, if nothing else can then still paint himself as the victim, like he has then been done upon by both dobby and. And Jez, like he's then not the bad guy, and ultimately he's not the bad guy anyway. Him proposing to the girl that he is um, in love with and that is his partner, I still don't think is. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against Mark if he if he went and proposed anyway.
0: No, no, I, don't, I mean they're in a relationship. He is, yeah, every right to be able to do that. Jeremy's clearly the one that's acting out of line, but I do think that Mark makes a fatal flaw in this moment in that Jeremy comes out and basically, you know, we mentioned earlier how that, you know, Mark is... We saw how Mark treated his agreement with Gerard. Jeremy saw that and so clearly doesn't trust Mark to be left alone with Dobby on their trip. So he decides to hijack it. And I think Mark at that point, if Jeremy's going to sink low and play dirty like that, I think Mark just has to come clean about the whole thing because... Mark can't stop Jez from coming along because Jez will threaten to, you know, spill the beans and declare his love for Dobby, but it looks arguably worse, I think, to have Mark look like he genuinely wants Jeremy to tag along for their romantic weekend. Like, that should just... It looks terrible in front of Dobby, and she even references that in her breakup text... (laughs) And I just think they should have it all out. And I think Mark would look a lot better and bigger person if he had just been honest and been like, okay, look, I've only just received this news, so I'm just as shocked as you are, Dobby, but we find ourselves in this incredibly weird situation. I think Dobby would be a lot more sympathetic to Mark, but the way he just brings Jeremy along just looks so bad. It just looks like he's so dependent on Jeremy that and afraid of intimacy, which is what Dobby quotes, it's he's not you know, you talk about not shooting yourself in the foot, he's shooting himself in the head, I think.
1: Yeah, and you you used the phrase earlier, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like he can't win in this situation. But I think it's really interesting that not only has Jeremy Highlighted to Mark why he is in love with Dobby. He has also highlighted why Mark and Dobby aren't right for each other. Um, and Mark says like, "You can't use what I've said in the past against me." And he, I suppose, he never thought that, he never thought that that this was going to come to this. He 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 talks in an earlier series, doesn't he, about like um that was just pub talk. Like you can't you can't use pub talk in the cold light of day. Um, he never imagined that talking to his oldest and dearest friend. That this would come back to to bite him in the ass but it it has and we get off the train in a minute um because the train inspector can't actually do anything to get
3: jeremy off
0: tickets please
3: yeah i wasn't meant to be here i was just helping him with his luggage not by request and then the door's closed I, i've come on the train by mistake
2: standard single that's uh, 34 pound 60.
3: Mark, would you mind? Yes, I would mind. Oh, for God's sake, it's 30 quid. I'll pay you back. The situation is perfectly
2: simple. There's a passenger without a ticket who refuses to pay for one. You should remove him from the train. I'm going to have to ask you to leave the train at the next
1: station. Great with me. That's where we're going.
2: That's your punishment of last recourse. Free travel.
1: Just before we move on past this scene, as we we start to talk about their introduction to Dobby, I do always like pointing out where we spot characters from other shows and the the train ticket collector is of course the the lady that David Brent goes on a date with from the office the one where um, yes um, <laughs> he he talks about the uh, there's more pound for pound there's more sugar in a in a lemon than a strawberry and um, <laughs> starts talking about cows having sick stomachs and all this sort of stuff um, so you do half expect um, Mark to turn around and go oh for fu-, in the in a very, like, <laughs> Brentish way. Um, we're then on a slow decline into which one of them is going to screw the other one over first, basically.
0: Yeah, we've reached the absolute point of no return. If we were ever in doubt before, this is the moment, I think, because you just get one look as they arrive and meet Dobby in the car park, the station. She's clearly annoyed by the fact that Jeremy's tagging along. And, I mean, it just gives the impression that, you know, these two can't be separated from each other, and... I, I can only imagine that Dobby's just stood there going, is, is this going to be the rest of my life? If I stay here, I've got these two choices. One, stay, move in, you know, with Mark and apparently Jeremy, because we if we can't even get him to move out, like he's tagging along our romantic break. So how are we going to ever, you know, if we can't be alone now, when are we ever going to be alone? And then on the other side, I have this exciting opportunity in New York of all places. Like it's, now it's just, it's gotta be a done deal.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, if there was, if it was ever a case of the nail being in the coffin, then, then this was it.
3: What's going on, Mom?
2: I'm really sorry, but I had to bring him. It turns out there's something I need to tell you about, Jeremy, I, I should have told you a long time ago, but it turns out he's a drug addict.
3: Right, Okay.
2: Also, he he can't get an erection unless he thinks about something disgusting. I don't want to say what. Plus, he thinks he might be gay. He's 80% certain. 80. Nice. No need to overdo it. So he's dealing with that, which I think is great, and I'm being very supportive over. I always thought he might be a bit gay, but more like 30%, if I'm honest. He's incredibly unstable. So it was either bring him along or risk getting home to find him, you know.
1: Right, it's just our special weekend away.
0: Change the
2: subject. One sugar, Jez. Yes, please.
0: Everything seems to be relatively under control, or at least, you know, the facades are are being maintained. Jeremy goes ahead and fully breaks character by essentially smashing up the pie because his paranoia has convinced him that there's an engagement ring hiding in it. Yeah, um, and...
1: I just think, I think, when I said at the beginning of the episode, this is where it starts to lose touch with it being classic peep show. I think this, from the point they arrive in the Quantox, this is where it all starts to get a bit, um, like, almost, like, cartoonish. Like, I, I don't like... I think this scene is very funny, but I don't particularly like it. I don't... It's a weird one for... to sort of describe. To
0: me, it kind of goes down the line... And this is an interesting, because we've, we've heard from listeners of this show who are a big fan of the, um, the episode I'm about to refer to, which is the uh, sectioning episode, which I feel like this scene kind of enters that sort of territory where it gets a bit, like you said, yeah, cartoonish, the way that these two kind of, uh, essentially they go to attack each other, don't they, by the end of it. And it's all kind of getting a bit, Hysterical is the only word that kind of comes to mind.
1: Yeah, the the whole scene with um. Jez, smashing up the pie, I just find it really weird. Not even in a cringy way, I just find it really like strange and bizarre. It might just be me, and I'm I'm wi- I, I'm I'm willing to have other people tell me what a knob I am and how my opinion's wrong, like they do on a frequent
0: basis, um, but. No, I, th- I think there's something in that, though. I th- I think he, he, it's a perfectly valid reason. Like, if you... The reason I like Peep Show is because, the, you know, the the quick wit and snidey remarks and all that sorts of things, the the cringe and the, the dysfunctional relationship between these two characters, the kind of yin and yang or whatever. But this is just... Like, yeah, like I say, it kind of descends into, like, hysteria, where they've all kind of just lost their minds towards the end. And for me, that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really work for me either.
1: But here we go. We, we'll, we'll, we'll dissect it and talk through it anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's maybe not that, I think it could be funny, but it just, it's not, it's not demonstrating the things that I like about Peep Show. And it sounds like you kind of share that view.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a good sort of, I don't know whether it's the way that it's delivered or just the actual like plot of this scene that that bothers me, because um, it just just it just it degenerates but degenerates too much. I feel.
0: Thankfully, I think for both of their sakes, Dobby's is called literally called away from the pair of them as Simon um, calls her, and I think this is when. <laughs> I mean, the fallout is just incredible, like, how quick... I don't... Maybe it isn't a good thing that Dobby gets up and leaves, because the the way that this then falls out is, by the end... You know, in the space of 30 seconds to a minute, they're picking up sticks and rocks and throwing each other into electric fences, as Dobby is, you know, still kind of within earshot of the whole thing. And it's just... They both look totally, totally insane, Oh, fuck you.
3: Dobby! No, Jeremy!
0: Dobby! Oh,
3: oh.
1: What the hell are you doing? That fence is electrified like a motherfucker.
2: No, Jeremy. What? I know what you're thinking. Oh, really?
1: Is this about the bloody olives?
3: No, Dobby. It's about something else. Ah! What the hell did you do that for? Because, Dobby, there's something I need to say to. Ah! Will well, you two stop electrocuting each other? Oh, Son. What's a step up from Electric? Oh. A nice big stick.
2: Oh, we're allowed sticks now, are we? It's come down to sticks. Is that what it's come down to? As a
3: matter of fact, it has. Well, how about rocks? Are rocks invited to the party? Come on, then. Rock me, Amadeus. You know you want to. Yeah, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Dobby, the bad man, threw a rock at me. Mark, if you don't throw that rock at me, I'm going to hit you with this stick. Those are the available options.
0: And before we realise, you know, Mark and Jeremy are looking up and Dobby has totally vanished from view. And Mark quite quickly afterwards gets this text message from Dobby which kind of explains where she's vanished to. And it, you know, she just comes straight at and just says, look, I'm taking the job to New York, I'm leaving tonight. Um, I was hoping this weekend would be, you know, a way to just kind of, you know, patch things up between us. But basically it's over and it's quite, it's quite a blunt text, I thought. I mean, I guess, you know, the way that Mark's handled this whole weekend has been pretty appalling. But I just noticed that there wasn't any, any warmth to it. So I'll I'll read out the full text, actually, in case, because people, I, I paused it when I was watching it. People perhaps might not know the full Um, what the full text says. So it says, I'm taking the job in NY. Flying over with Simon tonight. Was hoping this weekend would be a chance to make up for all the weirdness. But clearly the fact you bought Jay proves you can't handle intimacy. I'm sorry Jay has issues with drug addiction and being 80% gay, but this was not the weekend to address them. And then it just ends. So there's no goodbye or not even really an... Apology, not that I'm really convinced that Mark is owed an apology after his appalling behaviour, but there's not really, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a proper conclusion. I don't know, what what do you make of the text?
1: No, absolutely. I was just going to say, there's no confirmation, really, that they've broken up, is there? Mm. Like, she doesn't say, look, this isn't going to work, we're done. She says, "Um, I'm taking the job. At no point does she say, "Like we're finished." I mean, the, the, obviously, the the <laughs> the inference that you take from that is that obviously they're they're going to break up. And obviously, as we go into series nine, we know that that was the end, and she'd gone, um, and she cuts Mark off almost completely. But it's such an odd message to send. Like maybe I don't know what Mark replies to this. I can't imagine he replies anything particularly coherent <laughs> or sensible. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a weird sign off from her.
0: The thing that struck me was that this text seems to indicate that Dobby had every intention of, I don't think she's just taking this job in the last 30 seconds. I'm guessing she's clearly, you know, if a plane ticket has been bought or whether she was perhaps planning to break up with Mark perhaps over this weekend, which seems (laughs) slightly strange going into that supposed romantic weekend. I don't know whether she was maybe hoping that Mark would kind of make some kind of grand gesture and kind of prove that he's not all bad. So I don't know whether you think, you know, if if Jeremy hadn't tagged along and that whole thing between those two had happened, do you think Mark could have perhaps saved it with a decent proposal?
1: Dobby's a really interesting character because I don't know whether she, if Mark had proposed to her, whether she would have had the... uh, not the bollocks are such to say no, but whether she like whether she's put in that position, she's quite an awkward character. Yes, she's quite self confident in lots of ways, but she is quite um awkward. Whether she would have just said yes almost out of feeling forced to, I don't
0: know. That would have been a very mark thing to do, yeah. Well oh, yeah. The- and that was
1: exactly <laughs> what happened in the Quantox the last time, wasn't it? Mark got married out of yeah. um Embarrassment in Jeremy's words, didn't he? Like, he got married because he couldn't face the ignominy of not um of having to say it was a mistake.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a strange old text, but I think, yeah, pretty clear that Dobby was gonna, you know, she was taking that job before they meet for this romantic weekend. But the pair, I mean, the pair of them ultimately are crushed by this news because, you know, Jeremy was about to declare his love for her as well. And so the two of them are left alone and resort to kind of arguing over who was the one that pushed Dobby away the most. Um, and I would clearly give that award to Mark, I think.
1: Well, yeah, Dobby certainly implies that it was Mark that drove her away. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the episode finishes with with Mark shouting at Jeremy, I'll kill you, Jeremy, for trying to steal Dobby and electrocuting me and destroy my fucking pie. <laughs> Um, and then jeremy just goes chasing off shouting after and it's not one of the classic peep show endings but it's um it's certainly a memorable one
0: it certainly is because I mean we're finishing a series here and we don't know how this is gonna pan next I think we I think series eight and nine were like double booked. Were they not? Although no, there were three years between eight and nine. So maybe this, Yeah, we weren't sure whether this was going to be the end. or. I was just trying to
1: Google it whilst we've been recording. And a lot of the other series were commissioned before, like I know series seven was commissioned before series six was even filmed. Um, But yeah, this episode finished, this episode aired episode six of series eight episode on Christmas Eve, aired on Christmas Eve. Sorry. Um, 2012 and then series nine I don't think started until like September 2015 2015. so I'm just trying to look as to see whether they knew it was coming back I can't find anything definitive
0: um I would guess not because to have a three-year gap
1: well they came back and they knew it was the last series didn't they I've seen plenty of articles that have said they knew this was the last one um and I I can't I suppose they could have left it. They could have left it on this, couldn't they?
0: They could, they could have done. Because, I mean, if if we're going to build this as the end of Mark and Jeremy's relationship, which is essentially the foundation that the show is built on, that would be a show ender. Um, so it leaves us in a fascinating place going in... You know, I remember, that, you know, this, as we mentioned, three years between Series 8 and 9. And when you find out that Series 9 is happening, going into it, and you think, how are they possibly going to handle... Are they going to be friends again? Are they going to make up? Like, as we've seen so many times, we don't think they've ever overcome a hurdle this large before. Or are we going to go into it as, you know, these two being enemies, which in a way is kind of equally fascinating for, if you know this is going to be the final series. So there's a lot of intrigue, I think, as we, we end this series and think, well, what the hell is going to, you know, come next?
1: Yeah, and we, and we know what comes next. And I think... <laughs> the we obviously know it having watched the series like plenty of times and I think I remember being really excited for the Return of Peep Show in twenty fifteen and it coming back um, and we'll we'll get on to series nine obviously in in due course and we'll talk about that once we've once we've we've done our quiz and everything. But I think in the gap between Series 8 finishing and Series 9 finishing, obviously they, they, they knew they only had one more series so they could bring it to a conclusion and, and, and they we will discuss in time how they concluded it. But they did know. I think they must have known they would get one more series. Like, I don't know if any anyone who is in the know is listening. Hopefully, like... Sam, Sam Bain, if you're listening, please, uh, <laughs> please send me a message and, and just let me know. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a very odd way for this episode to finish, regardless of whether they knew there was another one coming.
0: Yeah, it leaves us in a very sort of precarious spot, kind of a yeah cliffhanger, I guess you could kind of call it, as this relationship has deteriorated. You know, is it going to be over or are they going to patch things up? But yeah, as you say, we'll get into that in series nine. But what a way to end series eight. Fancy
1: a
3: punt on the quizzy? Shit
0: a bit of data out there, bunged up brain box. I'll do the buttons.
3: Do the answers.
1: So, are we ready for the the final quiz of, of the series? I am indeed. I'm really sorry to, to tell you that uh, I hadn't given much thought to this quiz, although I, I knew it was my quiz right from the beginning of the week when we, we recorded this, I... I completely forgot to to write it. So it's a bit of a patch together quiz. You might find it a bit easy. Um, but I'm going to start off with a tricky one. One that we definitely haven't talked about. Um, so okay. when Mark at the beginning of the episode is talking about playing five a side, he references three celebrities who probably play five a side. Can you name any of those three celebrities? I use celebrities in a uh, a loose possible sense.
0: Oh, my word. Um,
1: no, I don't think I can. So I'll give you the context. So they're, they're in the bar. Um, and Mark says, um, that's where all the men go to laugh at the rest of us who can't check the brake fluid or shoot a baboon. And then he names three people. and I'm guessing you're not going to get any of them. So the three were... No. Alistair Campbell... Alan Hansen, and Brian Cox, even though he pretends he's not one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe I've started off a little too hard. So, um, okay. what what key ring, so this happens about 30 seconds later, what key ring does Jeremy mock of Mark's? Like, when they're having the, the banter about uh, the fact that Jeremy's never
0: owned a key ring. Oh. Damn it! It's 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 a beer, isn't it? It is, yeah. I'll I'll give you half point I for a I couldn't tell you which one though, because he says something like, "Oh, like they're laughing at you every time you, you know, you open up your door." It's like an advert. Yeah, yeah it's... I can't remember which beer it is. They're
1: called Holston pills, and the only reason I think I know Holston is because I'm sure that uh, they, I'm sure they used. Did they sponsor Tottenham Hotspur like in the nineties? That's the only reason I think I'd. <laughs> I but they're like an offshoot of carlsberg okay so you're on half a point out of two right. maybe been quite hard okay um what does jez worry mark is going to kill him with he says is there a chance he's going to kill me with something it's a, a, an item that's in their flat
0: oh dear um what could he use to kill him No, I don't know.
1: It is his two thousand and three Personal Finance Award. <laughs>
0: That'd be so mark.
1: <laughs> okay, right. Um let's skip forward a fair bit. Um who is the interview with on the magazine that Jeremy picks up in the train?
0: Oh, that's um, Jurgen Klinsman. Yeah, well done.
1: Um this one's a bit more tricky. Um I'll give it to you to the nearest if you can get it to the nearest pound, you can have this um how much is the train ticket when she's trying to get Jeremy to buy the train ticket because he hasn't got one how much does she say it is
0: I'll give it to you to the oh point. it's 30 something I know that much so I'll just shoot down the middle and go 35
1: yeah uh, it's 34 pound 60 so I'll give that to you you've rounded that up Um, i'll take
0: that 40 pence
1: out (laughs) yeah because um jeremy says come on it's 30 quid but like specifically it's 34 pound 60 um okay and this is a 2 part question so what percentage gay does mark claim that jeremy is
0: uh 80
1: okay and the second part is what percentage gay did dobby suggest that she thought he might be I think it's thirty. Yeah, it is, yeah, well done. You've you've saved yourself at the end. You've got three in a row at the yeah, end. To... Finished a bit stronger. Yeah, <laughs> you finished strongly. Yeah, good good end to the series with that quiz. I thought I'd I thought I'd put your knowledge
0: to the test a bit more. Very good. Okay, yeah, not a bad performance then to end the series on. As yeah, we wrap up series eight, which is very strange, as we've only yeah, that leaves us with one series to go. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening, as always, especially, you know, if you've stuck with us from Series 1 all the way to Series 8, we really appreciate that. If you've enjoyed the series as much as we have, then please do take a moment to leave us a review, uh, either a written review, that would be amazing, or uh, just like a simple like rating on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening. Um, Normally, I would say tune in next week for, you know, episode whatever. But obviously, we won't be back next week. We'll be taking a bit of a break before we return for the final series, Series 9. But we do have a few plans, don't we, Rob? Between now and the start of Series 9, we've got a few specials. And uh, we're going to do something a bit new, aren't we, for the patrons? Rob, do you want to touch on that?
1: Yeah, we are. So we've got, um, in terms of the the sort of the specials we've got coming up, I'm trying to think when you're going to hear them. Um, but if you follow us on social media, then you'll know that we've already um, interviewed uh, Angus Wright and Catherine Shepherd, who play April and Angus in, obviously April in Series Two, and then Angus in in Series Nine uh, with April as well. So we've interviewed them already. So I think we'll we'll probably share that episode either sort of before, just before series nine, or just after. I think it will depend on what Tom and I plan for post series nine, because we're not going to rush back uh, with with series nine. Like we've got a lot of sort of plans over the summer. Tom's Tom's uh, getting married, so this will probably be the start of quite an extended. Break whilst we just work out what the plan is for Series Nine, and then obviously post Series Nine. But um, in addition to that, we've also got an interview with uh, Izzy Sutty, who plays Dobby. So we're hopefully, fingers crossed. We've we've rearranged it a couple of times, but we're re- we're recording that by the time you're hearing this, it will be next week that you're that we're going to be recording it. Um, so keep an eye on our on our social media channels to find out when that's going to be released but yeah so the other thing, sorry, i'm rambling a bit but um tom sort of touched on uh some ideas that we've got and we we want to get some things out we're gonna have a big break um but we wanted to sort of roll things out for our for our patrons to give you guys a bit of extra content um so starting in this break we're going to start releasing a few sort of uh mini episodes they're not going to be these <laughs> these two hour rambles that uh that we've become prone to doing they're going to be um, sort of 20, 30 minute uh, episodes where we, we break down a particular part of Peep Show. So we might do like our top five women for Mark, top five women for Jez, like those sorts of like, who was the one type episodes just to give you guys a bit of sort of extra content. Um, and so obviously if you are interested in, in signing up for that, again, head to patreon.com forward slash podcast pharaohs um, and you can, you can join that. And we'll, we'll probably aim for maybe... We we certainly won't be doing it daily, but we'll certainly try and aim for maybe like one a week or one a fortnight of those, um, just to give you guys something. Yeah. So you don't miss us too much in the in the meantime.
0: Yeah, we're we're just a bit conscious basically that yeah, like like Rob said, I'm getting married this summer, so that the regular episodes are going to kind of yeah. have to take a, a bit of a break while you know the ramp up to my wedding and the aftermath and everything. Um, it's going to take a lot of time um, but at the same time you know you guys are paying each month and we really appreciate that so we want to give something back so these sort of little kind of mini series or whatever specials are going to be exclusive to patrons so if you want to hear these then do make sure that you're subscribed to the patron um Rob's touched on quite a few of the sort of ideas that we've got I also really want to take a look at some of the um like the like people show extras and things there's a lot of like extra bonus content out there that perhaps people won't have listened to like whether they were you know on the dvd extras and stuff there's some really funny kind of little not even like deleted scenes as such but just like little extra just bits from kind of like the people show universe i guess you could call them so just things that i've been wanting actually to do for quite a while and this seems like a really fitting way to talk about those things so yeah if you're interested check out the link below for for patreon we'll announce more on social like firmer plans like when these things are going to come out but we definitely wanted to you know make sure that you guys have plenty of stuff to listen to as um before we we start series nine which yeah maybe a little while Which, yeah, I think that kind of brings us to the end then, doesn't it? As we, yeah, we'll bridge that gap between Series 8 and 9. Look out for our big interviews with Izzy City, uh, Angus and Catherine as well. Looking forward to those. I think those will be out before we we dive in for Series 9. And then it's the home stretch, isn't it? As we, yeah, kind of come to the end of the the whole podcast.
1: Yeah, and obviously we've talked um, on our Patreon and also sort of slightly on here about the the plans that we've got post peep show we're not going to rush into our new project sort of straight away we're going to see where peep show takes us because i think we we have ideas that we we started off with even before we decided we were going to do it as an episode by episode review tom and i had lists of things we wanted to do as specific episodes um and we've had plenty of fans get in touch with us to talk about um, maybe doing specific episodes on the female characters and, and hearing the female perspective um, on the female characters. Yeah, cause, that's
0: definitely something I want to do. Um,
1: and even little things like, I know it gets absolutely slated, but the the American Peep Show episode with Johnny Galecki in it, um, I'd love to sort of almost do one of these episode reviews that we've done um, <laughs> on that, just from a almost like a tongue-in-cheek point of view, because it is so terrible. Um, but yeah, we're not going to necessarily rush straight into our, into our new project. Um, but again, I'm, I'm shouting out the patron a million times, but if you want to listen to our new project, then if you sign up for our patron, then that is exclusive on there at the moment. Our first episode, um, of our new project is on there. If you want to give that, give that a check out at the same time, which segues me beautifully into, um, our social media channels just before Tom sort of wraps up. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast Pharaohs, on Instagram at Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, on Facebook just by searching for Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. Um, and if you want to email us, you can email us at Podcast of the pharaohs at gmail.com.
0: OK, then, yeah, I think that brings us to the very end then. So thank you, everyone, for listening to Series 8. We will be back soon with some specials. And then back later this year for Series 9. So thanks again for listening and thank you for joining me, Rob. Not to be too la dee da, but is there a podcast with
1: fewer snakes?
3: Though?